Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and I'm Dr. Pat, joined by Mr. Benny Mathers. Hello, Mr. B. Howdy. And we've got Ms. V hanging out, going to be busy pushing all buttons today for us. Those are your beefs. <laughs> we could go pee schmear. Pee schmear. That's the way my signature I'm sounds. B- I'm bee schmear. You're bee schmear. Mm-hmm. I want to give a big shout out for all of our affiliates tuning us in, AM 1150, uh, 1230 W. WBLQ and Westerly, Rhode Island, AMLM50 Seattle, and CBS in a bunch of places. Um, yes, but most importantly, on New Sky Radio. And, of course, CRN, over 300 cable radio stations, plus now picking up Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. And, boy, if I've left you out, just call our toll-free number. I apologize in advance. Can we get one of those maps? And yes. We can put, like, pinpoint where everyone's heard the Dr. Pat show? I think you should do that. Wow. I'm just saying. That's brilliant. Although, map would have to extend just outside the United States. It'd have to be the world. Well, because Australia affiliate. Right. Or we could do a that deal. We haven't seen, I haven't seen a globe. How do we do that? Bring in a globe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ooh, so. We can make one out of paper mache. Valerie needs something to do on the weekends. So. Yeah. Yo, Valerie. Dude, just get a, a yoga ball. Okay. And just, and just use that as your, your base. Okay. It works. That's what I did okay, for Jack. Okay, now, now you're getting my creative for... juices going. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. What happens is I make the announcement, mm-hmm. and that's why I have to announce it, right. uh, because I make the announcement and I leave somebody out. Then Uh-oh. what happens is I get the email. Ah. So if I have left you out and you're listening from a place I haven't mentioned, call Valerie and tell her. There you go. 1-800-930-2819. Creativity is... You know, I, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I'm, I am so thrilled, Benny. I, I, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm so thrilled to be interviewing uh, my very special guest today. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you who he is, Penn Densham. And I, I want to tell you for a minute who Penn is. And for those of you out there, you think about how do you take your idea and bring it to reality. Well, me- most often, especially coming off the Golden Globe Awards, right, we have seen a lot of awards being given out to people for screenwriting, producing, for directing. This is who Penn is. He is a successful award-winning screenwriter, producer, and director. You know, he has an inst- extensive, amazing track record in film and television. He's also responsible for writing and producing some of Hollywood's biggest blockbusters, such as Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, along with with a bunch of others we'll talk about in a moment. But, uh, you know, what is it about him that brought him to the place of writing a book called Writing the Alligator? You know, what is it about this book that could help all of us get our creative juices flowing? Now, let me just tell you what I said to him before I brought, brought, brought him on. Benny, what I said to him is in reading his book, And in looking at the way he has talked about many things we're going to cover today in the show, one of the things I discovered is that I became even more inspirational about finishing my book. And what I got from this is that, you know, I had this huge idea of all of the roadblocks that are ahead of me in writing my book. When I read his book, what I got was it's worth every minute of it. Well, of course it's it is. It's worth it. Good. And just get up and do it. Yeah. 
you know, so you and your story go for a ride. That's one of the chapters in the book. But the question that shows up is this. What is a life script and how can I discover mine with my very special guest joining me here today? Penn, thank you so much for being on the show. Boy, this is so cool. Great to have you here. Well, you certainly make a welcoming intro. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. So, I was on the show with Steve Mariboli not too long ago, and we were talking about authenticity and, and how both of, both of us who've been in this business a while really don't understand it. But what happens when I read your book and I, and I ask myself the question, what is a life script and how can I discover mine? My mind goes in a million directions. And, of course, without reading your book, I wouldn't know what to do with it. But isn't that a very challenging question for a lot of people? Well, it's a, uh, I think the the issue is: do you have a do you have an internal emotional need, and I call it the cost spell? Mm. Do, you, do you feel somehow that you have something in you that you want to share that impassions you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the process of discovering that is not logical. It doesn't come with a blinding flash, and sometimes it sort of creeps out through the through the cracks in your in your daily life, and you 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 have just little intuitions. Um, and what, what I've discovered, strangely, is that the scripts that I've written for the studios, the things that they wanted me to write, and I thought they seemed reasonable and very cool things, got made far more uh, seldom than the scripts that I wrote for myself, which always seemed like I was actually stealing time. Uh, I, was, uh-huh. I always felt guilty because I was going off to write this idea that didn't necessarily seem like it had a market or it had a purpose to the, to the commerce of my my. my uh, business partners, and yet, strangely, those scripts got made more frequently than the ones that I was being paid to write. Mm. And it sort of, and it, and, it, and it started this kind of search for why, and and some of the questions. And I don't believe I have all the answers. And that, as you know from my book, my my first rule is ignore everything I say that goes against your creative instincts, <laughs> because I think those are sacred things. I don't know why, but I have these theories that if you write from this inner part of your subconscious, this this ocean of your experience and who you are and your DNA and the tragedies and the successes in your life, that you're tapping deeper material. And and I can see there's an elegance to my writing when that material does come out. That, and that, believe me, it's been difficult. Sometimes I've written a, I've written one script in five weeks in my spare time in secret when I was doing all my normal work, and that poured out of me. And I've had one script I worked on for 16 years to get it out of me. So there's no logic to this process, but the service of that story, that thing that, that impassions you, and I think it would work in art, I think it would work in, in sometimes in inventing things. It's, you know, they say Edison went through 4,000 different versions of the light bulb and ached to give it up, mm. but something kept him going. Um, this, this subconscious process of surrendering to that, I think, creates an, a, 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 an invention or a piece of art or a piece of writing that you will then pursue longer than the piece that you thought was just to to meet the needs of a moment. And you're not really defending that. It's fashionable, but it's not what you really are. And so I feel, and you probably have the same, if you're writing, you probably mm-hmm. have the same instincts, that your yeah. personal material somehow it immunizes you and it's really from that holistic self. 
and it makes it worth taking the bumps, which are inevitable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got I got to the first, and you know, what's interesting about this, Ben, is that uh, I I have a couple of coaching clients that I take on. I don't take on very many anymore because I'm really busy with the radio and whatnot. But yesterday it was a really telling moment in in our experience together and one of the things that I, I i asked them about was the passion for the goals they want to achieve and you start right out in the beginning in the book and the thing that i was really struck by is how much passion i have about what i do i never thought that i would be doing this this radio show that we called the dr pat show or transformation talk radio but here i am loving every moment of it we have the best listeners on the planet uh, I'm passionate about it, and I'm passionate about what we provide for them. But that is your first chapter in the book, and you call it the golden rule. Yes, and it's instinctively written. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was asked to teach a class of USC film school graduates that, that were going to step from the academic world into the business world, and um, they, they, there's a there's a terminology in our business that you should be passionate about your projects. It's kind of, but it's a watered down terminology. It's not the thesis of why you should do it. But when I came to face these kids and speak to them, and they're all cream of the crop, that you know, USC considers itself the Harvard of film schools. I thought, from my authentic voice, what is that the thing that I want to share with them? And that that chapter. I didn't know I was writing a book. I just wrote essays to the students because I couldn't find things that expressed what I wanted to share with them mm-hmm. based on my own survival. Um, and so I wrote a chapter which I thought, you know, some people might feel is a cliche to talk in terms of passion, but I could find that it flowed out of me. And I w- it's interesting when you're writing. Sometimes I find that I've got my writing coming out of my right brain or some part of me, yeah. and my left brain sitting there telling me, you know, what an idiot I am, this is terrible, it's all a waste of time, you know, and what, what, why should you bother? And so I never set out to write a book because I didn't want to give that creature, that golem, uh, too much power. What I did was I just decided to share um, a, a, a kind of an essay with the students because I wanted them to have this tool if it was useful to them. And, and again, I'm very cautious. You know, I, 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 I had a, tr- a pretty tough teenagehood. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my, my folks were um, magical people when I was a little child. I was three and four years old. I remember them making short films in England. And I felt like I was Mickey Mouse watching The Sorcerer. And they were they had this giant camera and people all, you know, gathered around it. And we all went to this dark hall and watched these images on a giant theater in a <laughs> local town. Right. I actually met people that distributed their movies. And I knew from that point on I had to be in that business. And I, and I, you know, my, my mother and father uh, made these short films, and including the one where I ended up writing an alligator in a film that they made on people that kept strange pets. And I, as I jokingly say, I'm sure my mother can't have been there today, a seven-foot live alligator. I can remember to this day writing the thing. And um, that, that um, infected me. And so I, and I, I didn't know how to use my creativity, mm-hmm. but I yearned to use it. And then my mom passed away, mm. and uh, my father married uh, a very uh, difficult, damaged woman. Um, my personal life and my sister, my brother's personal life, became incredibly uh, frenetic and ugly. Oh. And my 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 dream to use cameras, which I, I still to this day love cameras, mm. um, 
it it was not supported in the house and so that um, that's tough that sort of and and so i think it and looking backwards again because you don't really know when you're experiencing something like that no that it, that it comes back to you right i think it's why i have an outsized sense of the will to help other people preserve their creativity because mine was nearly knocked out. I love it. And you do so well in the book. For those of you tuning in, we are. this is such an honor to have Penn joining us here today, Penn Densham. And the book is Riding the Alligator. This is the book that I opened up to get me moving on my just so you know, my book. But it, it it's it's more than just a book about screenwriting. It's a book about how to be creative, what you can move beyond. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We're going to be talking about the movies a little bit. Golden Globes just moved on. But, you know, why are we, like, asking ourselves, is that all there is? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Remember, for our dogs and cats to live long and happy lives, just like people, they are what they eat. Wellness carefully selects wholesome ingredients to create food you can trust to provide the foundation of your pet's well-being. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose in every recipe they make. You can trust the quality of all ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. Visit wellnesspetfood.com to find a pet specialty retailer near you. Wellness natural food for pets. This is where true wellness begins. Are you tired of using skincare products full of unpronounceable chemicals? Do you eat ramen by candlelight to support your expensive candle burning habits? Well, come on down to Scenic Supplies. We have everything you need to make your own soap, candles, creams, and much more. We're open from 10 to 6, 7 days a week. Come explore our store at the corner of 63rd and Roosevelt, just north of the U District in Seattle. Call us at 206 206- Five two five seven nine nine seven. Find recipes and more at zenithsupplies.com. The average American spends $16 a day on food, and statistically, two out of three are considered overweight. With the Take Shape for Life program, you can not only shed those extra pounds on your way to living life at optimal health, you might be surprised to actually save money doing it. Talk to a Take Shape for Life certified health coach who's lost the extra pounds and listen to the passion in their voice and to the story of their journey. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Reservage Organics offers you the most advanced anti-aging product available. Our organic-based Reservatrol formula, brought to you from the heart of our exclusive vineyards in southern France, has been clinically proven to reactivate your longevity gene and help preserve your youth. By including Reservage Reservatrol in your daily regimen, you can enhance cardiovascular function, metabolism, mental acuity, and collagen production. If you want to regain your youthful radiance and enhance your longevity, do so with the world's finest Reservatrol from Reservage Organics. Why wait? Visit your local retailer and start the anti-aging process today. Reservage Organics, committed to the extension of youth naturally. Available online at www.reservage.com and at the Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, Whole Foods Market. Visit reservage.com and feel vitality today. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. 
Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I want to just tell you that you can find out more about the book and about Penn by going to the website writingthealligator.com. Writingthealligator.com. I, uh, you know, I picked up this book. I was so thrilled to be able to have Penn on the show. Um, for probably because of my own personal, my own fascination with movies from a very, very young age and, and, and what I loved about them. And, and, and I am a, I love going to the movies. So it's just something that I learned, uh, very early on. I love stepping out into fantasy, into a different place of being sometimes and the creativity of that. But today really is about all of us stepping into our full creative lives. And that's what I believe, at least for me, Writing the Alligator is about. And we're going to talk about that for a moment. You know, why name the book Writing the Alligator? Because great little picture. I think that's Benny on the cover of it, sitting on that alligator. On it. Is that you right there? That's no. you, Benny. No, that's a baby Benny. That's <laughs> one of my boys. That's it. That's one of your boys on there. Um, and, and and so, you know, when I was looking at what Ron Howard wrote about the book, you know, Ron Howard, director, of course, and producer, he wrote, Penn addresses the entire landscape of movie writing as a career and encourages artists to write from the heart and strive for originality. And Honestly, we could take that pen and we can pull it out and, um, you know, we could we could take the word movie out of there and just sort of overlap that statement for all of us right now to step into um, becoming more original, but to really get the juices flowing in terms of what we want to create for our lives. You know, I I said before the break, um, you know, coming off the Golden Globe Awards, which I barely watched um, and, and I, w- I was scratching my head and, and then Valerie, who usually watches all of this stuff, she didn't even watch it. Uh, I, I was scratching my head and I was thinking, you know, are these the movies? Are these all the movies that we really had? And, you know, what movies do we, we really vote for to create, um, and honor this level of creativity. And I wanted to ask you about this because I might think something's creative pen and you might think something different. And then you go to the Academy and of course I never am in alignment with them. What is it that the, the public is so longing for? What kind of creativity and who are the people that are bringing it? Well, it's an interesting question because when my partner and I first came from uh, Toronto where we were successful short film and TV uh, uh, specials makers, mm-hmm. we, we decided we would take the, the people that did the marketing research to lunch because we thought the most obvious question was to ask them, what does an audience want to see? And um, they said, well, no one ever takes us from the studio to lunch to ask that question. We thought that was interesting. Uh. And then they said, what our research says is that the audience wants something new, interesting, and different, that the, the, the human brain is stimulated by new experience, that when you go out on a Friday night with your date, you don't want to see a copy of something that you saw already this year or last year. What you want to do is to take the the experience of going to someplace new, but there are 
forms of storytelling, and, and mm-hmm. I think they're they're, they're very much uh, biological things. You know, falling in love, uh, avoiding a male competing for your female. Uh, you know, how to avoid um, you know being eaten by something. I mean, the, that Jurassic and that Jaws and that Alien. Uh-huh. But um, the 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 studio system doesn't, uh, and it's a great system. And I'm not going to complain because all these movies come out of that system. But it doesn't know how to reference something that hasn't existed before and justify selling it. Ugh. Whereas our, our bodies want that concept of the emotions. We want to be stimulated with all the different chemistry that we experience when we fall into a great movie. And I don't think it's an accident that we call Hollywood the dream factory. I think great movies sweep over you. They, they take you into a trance-like experience. And the really good ones, you don't look at your watch. You're not aware of it. You're, you're enmeshed in this world. And I think that the, the, there is a humanistic uh, baseline for most human beings are altruistic. They, 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 there's been studies that say children at the age of six months, if they're shown a block, uh, two blocks on a, on a board, and one block tries to, uh, if a yellow block tries to push another block down, and a green block tries to push it up, and then they ch- let the child pick up any of the three blocks, the child picks up the green block almost all the time. And it's a fascinating thing to me because that's a helper block. Mm. That's a altruistic hero block. So I think we go to the movies to get some kind of reinforcement of who we are as human beings, that by living a decent life, by doing things that are emotionally heroic, which can be making sacrifice or it can be reaching out beyond your, your skill base to help others, or it can be growing in order to contribute something that you couldn't have contributed through any other means. I think those films are very meaningful, but I also think accidentally dark imagery, negative imagery, can be mistaken for uh, art frequently because it's, it is equally as potent. So I think in, a way, in some ways it's even, even more uh, it's dangerous. Yeah. And so we pay attention to dangerous things. So when something is very dark and very negative, um, the, the, the awards come towards those things and the actors like playing those things because they're very intense. Yeah. And very, uh, but, you know, truly, blindside, you know, it's just spiritually uplifting. And, I, yes. and I, I'm going to call yes. a romantic skeptic. Yeah. I, 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 I love the idea that there may be something out there, but I've yet to see it proven. But I yearn to create with that kind of sensitivity of the human being. Mm-hmm. I, and, and you mentioned blindside, of course. And that was, you know, not this year. Certainly it was last year. And was highly, highly... High, highly recognized but you have to admit let's talk about blindside for a minute right from what i understand and i'm not in i'm not in hollywood but from what i understand is no one expected that movie to take off like it did as a matter of fact my understanding was that they didn't have a big marketing budget for it they expected it to be one of these you know one of these movies that gets out there and you know if you get a couple million people to watch and bam that's great and it took off, and it sort of became viral, right, in in terms of moviegoers. Because uh, it, it, it uplifted people, and also people of faith got behind right. the as well. Right, but the studios kind of didn't get that at first, I didn't think, right? No, and, and again, I think there's logic, too. I mean, the, the thing is, the the human animal is so darn complicated, but, we, you know, you're, 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 um, if you make a movie that's just happy, there's nothing to learn from it. And we're designed... Um, to uh, and, I, and again, these are these are my theories. I'm potty about yeah. this stuff because um, I'm trying to understand me. I'm trying to understand why I'm frightened of doing things that are new and have, how do I overcome them? 
and um, so I don't think I'm the I'm the best example. I think I'm the best questioner. Um, I think you're like so, most of us. I think where most of us are trying to figure figure out what frightens us and how to move beyond it. And so movies that actually engage in struggling with fear sometimes are found to be more valuable than movies that are just filled with goodness. And we go, why? Why is that? But it's because we're we're designed to look at other people struggling, even if it's stimulated, to to, to learn how to benefit ourselves. And that's why I think drama is always conflict. And that that is, you know, we're getting sort of didactic about this. And I left school at fifteen, so <laughs> I never claim that I know really what I'm talking about. But I, oh, you but know, you I come do. School of hard knocks. Yeah, you know, but you figure... do, Penn. You you and I both do because we both do come from a place that is very very real and very original. Like Ron, Ron Howard said about the book. I mean, we strive for originality. We strive for that in our lives as well. I think. Well, it's an authentic life, and if you can live closer to the true nature of your being, if you can. If you can occupy that space that you are really genuinely most used, and I kind of use the analogy of saying you're an instrument, and mm. sometimes our, our world will force us to be a drum when we're a violin, and no matter how much you are told to pound away, it's not going to fulfill you. And if you can find what you are and, and actually get to execute it, even not as well as maybe it could be, you're going to be happier than being a drum. Um, and so it, it will... Uh, I think the, one of the things I talked about, again, with my class is authenticity and morality are two really healthy things to do in our business. Mm-hmm. Because, A, people work with you for a long period of time in this business, and if you're not moral, you're going to find that the, if, you, if, you're, if you come back again to try and work with people, they're not going to want to work with you. The second thing is authenticity is that straight from the heart stuff is the most profound. And also, I have a terrible memory. So mm-hmm. it's much easier to be authentic because then I could just be myself and I don't have to remember anything I said that wasn't appropriate. Right. So it works both <laughs> ways. Yeah. Right. It does. And, you know, that's what I want to talk about I, when we come back from break. I, I want to talk about some of the things you mentioned in the book. For those of you that are just tuning in, Penn Densham is joining me on the show today. When we come back, we will talk about what does this mean, writing the alligator? What is it about, you, you know, screenwriting that sort of mimics the lives that we're living right now? What was it that was so incredibly uh, eye-opening for me in this book? And more importantly, you know, what is it about our lives that we can sit down, understand, and be able to craft and create our own script? And for those of you out there, if you're thinking, I can't do it, I don't know how to write uh, for a movie, when we come back, I'm going to be sharing some insights with you because I've got the guy that knows. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Disease, one of the most dreaded words in our vocabulary. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know traditionally we have viewed disease as a degenerative process? Disease is better understood when we view it as disease in the human body. Disease means without ease. Health is not merely the absence of disease. It's when every part of the body works together effortlessly, relaxed and at ease. It's that relaxed state that lets energy flow in waves through and around the entire body. Every organ has an electrical charge. And when overcharged or undercharged, dis-ease occurs. And it is an effort to go through our day. 
With CRA, we are able to determine the exact disease of the body and design a specific solution to correct the nutritional imbalance. Contact us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Welcome to Rubenesque Yoga. We offer yoga classes at retreats that focus on relaxation and rejuvenation. You do not need to be a marathon runner or bend like a pretzel to attend our classes. Rubenesque Yoga's retreats are held at the beautiful Wild Iris Inn located in Lacana, Washington, where you will enjoy a weekend of relaxation, yoga, and shopping. Please visit yogaforplussizes.com for more information. That's yogaforplussizes.com. Meet Kevin. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I was at 35% body fat. I was depressed. I was miserable. Then Kevin consulted Seattle nutritionist Bev Kinblade, who made some adjustments in his diet. It wasn't some fad diet. It was solid nutrition. My metabolism improved drastically. My energy shot up. My self-confidence, self-esteem was life-changing. Find out about a free 30-minute nutrition appointment with Bev Kinblade at seattlenutrition.com. seattlenutrition.com. Reclaiming your fearless nature with Annette Bingham is about giving you the encouragement and tools to explore who you truly are and then to fearlessly move towards reclaiming it. This program will empower you to become proactive in your own journey to power. On the show, we will be exploring any tool that will help you take back control of your wellness. Topics might include all types of energy work, vibrational healing techniques, connecting with nature, body work, and much more. Tune in each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. That's Tuesday at 5 p.m. right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I, I told you all before that, you know, this book came across my desk, Riding the Alligator. Penn Densham is joining me here today, and, and he's the author. Uh, but he's also a, uh, you know, an award-winning screenplay writer and has done so much in, in this industry. But when I picked up the book and I actually started to read it, what I discovered was that the, the 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 nuggets that are in this book relate to what most of us go through. You know, we may not be award-winning screenwriters, but clearly we go through positive thoughts, what happens with stress. And right now we're going to talk about rejection because I can only imagine what it's like in this industry that pens in. To put yourself out there, have all your creativity on the table, put it in front of people, only to have folks say no. Now, the reason that this has come up is, you know, I have a team full of people here on the Dr. Pat show and uh, amazing people. And every day we're out in the field, whether it is my great marketing team that is out there talking with people about sponsorship or hosting on Transformation Talk Radio, whatever it is they're doing. They are passionate, as Penn has said in the book. They love what they do. 
and they do it very well. But what happens is sometimes people say no. And I wanted to talk about this because we had a situation of this today, Penn. I can only imagine how many no's you've seen in your life. And I wanted to ask you to share, you know, this idea of rejection and what it is we need to learn about it for us to stay passionate about what we do. Well, first of all, I think that uh, whilst I'm happy to claim that I've had thousands of rejections <laughs> because it, it, in a way, um, it isn't easy. It is a struggle. I, and I want people to know that I didn't have an easier route than you did. Um, and also I had enormous quantities of effort to overcome my doubts and my struggles to take those rejections. But it's part of the measuring stick of what you, how much you believe in what you've created. And I'm, I'm compared with actors. Most actors go up for auditions. They get rejected in person. At least I get to send my scripts out to get rejected in absence. Um, so the, the, the immunization for um, a rejection is to believe in something so much that when somebody passes on it, you believe that they've lost an opportunity and not that you have actually lost the opportunity. We're, we're, we chose this business. My son is writing now, and he has an agent and a manager, and, you know, and, and I say to him, this is optional. This is an art. And if you if it, if it impassions you to do it, there are costs that come with it. Mm. And you know you could be Van Gogh, which would be both wonderful and tragic. You may not be recognized for what you're creating. But the question is, is this the is this who you really are? And can you gain from that as an as as it makes you a stronger person in the in the natural instincts of your creativity in your life? My 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 rejections have been immense. I've actually tried different strategies to overcome them. I suggested on my Houdini project to my assistant at the time that we try and get a thousand rejections. So that way, the, the, the fifty or eighty or ninety didn't feel so bad. Um, and I also think that if you're if you're looking at, um, you know, sometimes it's how you overcome an objection is to find ways of going back. Um, in the case of my Robin Hood movie, I had the idea of just a, a, a whimsical idea, which was Robin Hood Raiders style, and it stayed in my notes for years until I had a child. And then I started to realize that altruistic heroism was a useful and really socially valuable thing. I saw how much effort it took to raise a child, how much struggle and courage it took a child to become a human being, and yet we were showing movies of people just killing each other as if it was a celebration. And I wanted to make a movie where you're, you're, um, you were invested in somebody who, who was um, going to learn that the best thing they could do with their lives was to be willing to sacrifice themselves for the future of others. And I wrote uh, Robin Hood as a story, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the one that Kevin Costner was in, uh, after three studios had told me it was a really stupid idea. And they told me, friendly, very nicely, that you know, no one wanted to see guys with swords, the guys with guns were the way that everything was going to go. And I sat down and wrote it anyway, because A, I was encouraged by one of our staff who believed in it, and B, I'd had a child, and I wrote it because I was impassioned to write it. And in that movie, I wrote a birth scene. And my son was born in an emergency cesarean, and I wrote a birth scene into that Robin Hood. Wow. It made me cry when I wrote it. Mm. And I'm going, I'm touching things here. I don't quite understand what they are. But in a way, what I think I was doing is I was saying that there's a magnificence to putting your life on the line for other people's futures. And when we were lucky enough to make backdraft which also is about people who fight for other people's futures. We use all the strength and the courage of any action hero 
but they use it to save lives. I also was incredibly emotionally moved. Um, and I didn't write that movie. I just produced it, supported, and was very proud of Ron Howard's work on it. Mm-hmm. So coming back to rejection, what you're really looking at is if you if you believe something has values uh-huh. that you that you think of in your own process as being the things you want to share because they so move you and so so make you feel stronger. And if they're altruistic, then you will go a lot longer and a lot further with those things. And there's been studies of people who've survived from concentration camps, Victor Frank. Oh, yeah, amazing story. Yeah. And, and it's because these people had a passion to get to the future with something they believed that was useful to others. They were, they were not living in that concentration camp in situations where, where they were selfish. In many cases, they were trying to stay alive so they could get back to a daughter or a wife. And that gave them the passion to go beyond any, from Victor Frankl's perception, any logical reason why they should still be alive. And so, what, what, and there was a guy called Hans Selier, who was a Canadian um, biochemist slash medical guy, who looked at the human body in terms of what, what is the chemistry doing in the human body. He came to the same conclusion, which is fascinating to me, that, you know, if we work in a, in, in, in a process of doing something he called altruistic egoism, if mm-hmm. you do things that you believe are going to help others, for whatever reason that is, and you see your choice of what you believe will help others, it makes the task easier. And instead of having distress in your life, you will see frequently that that distress is the same chemistry in action, but he called it that it could become eustress. So it was like, instead of being anxiety, it could be excitement, because you're in the goal of something that you want to go forward with. And if I say to you, I'm, I'm, we're going up the Amazon, and you're going to go, the last darn thing I want to do in my life is go to some swamp-infested place with gators and piranha, and you're not going to want to go there. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, if I took you up there, you'd see everything is anxiety. But if I said, we're going on an adventure up the Amazon, and your nature was to go explore, you, you would see this as excitement. And it's the same physiological response, except that we interpret it differently. So in a way, you can choose what you're in control of in your life based on what I understand these studies to tell people. If you choose to do the things you really believe in, and they, and they will in, immunize you against loss and ability to give you the ability right. to keep taking the nose. And um, our, our, our Robin Hood, when we got close to finishing the screenplay, mm-hmm. very close to it, my partner John said, you know, there's another Robin Hood now. They're going to make it at Fox, and this guy's going to direct it. It's already greenlit, and this, there's no point in finishing our script. Ah. And I said, no, I have to finish the script, John. I must finish that script. I must not learn how not to complete what I have started. And so my passion to complete it, wasn't to make the Robin Hood. It was just to have the small win of not giving up on myself. Well, and this is really, and and, and this is why I'm. I, I've said this to you during the breaks. So I'm telling you about it. <laughs> is that when I picked up the book, I, I did expect something different. What I what I am discovering about the book, and I and I read different parts of it uh, at different times, is that it what you have been through and what you're sharing with people is really what we have to remember. I mean, you did not quit. You know, many people forget, like a guy like Walt Disney, for example. He did not get to the place of Mickey Mouse by people handing him a silver spoon. This man was rejected, fired, had to travel across the country. Mickey was named was Mortimer. I mean, there. I mean, this is right. like the yeah, deal with name. this. I like Mortimer. It's Mortimer, right? You know what I'm saying, Ken? We forget this. We forget that Mickey almost wasn't. 
And I think that's one of the problems with an education system, especially as it gets more and more towards teach to the test and things, that essentially what, what we need is encouragement to become the strongest at who we are individually. And the education system doesn't teach that making mistakes is normal. I love the quote um, Einstein said, it's not that I'm smarter, I just stay at it longer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I also love the quote that he said that imagination is more powerful than knowledge. Because mm-hmm. I have a great imagination, my knowledge ain't so good. Yeah, I agree so, with I, I totally... <laughs> I agree with you completely. And, you know, uh, bringing this kind of, you know, full circle, honestly, rejection is exactly what you said. Uh, I mean, it's a really tough word. I don't like to use it. But the bottom line is that these are people that are saying no. We take it so personally. And you said something very key. And I believe that you, Walt Disney, and so many other people that have achieved, uh, you know, this level of success, believe this. It, You know, it's not personal. And there is an opportunity that folks have missed out on. I mean, can you imagine being the people that, what, like, you know, fired Walt Disney? I mean, honestly, really? And then, you know, the people that rejected Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen when they created the first Chicken Soup for the Soul, they got like 173 rejections, right? Publishers, everybody, you know. And, and there's no point in getting angry at the people because no, in a way I think that the, there some, isn't. some of us are gifted to see something that doesn't yet exist. And part of that is the responsibility, and I call it building a bridge backwards, to mm. bring other people to you. No. The, the, the rejections cannot be seen as personal. They're circumstantial in some cases. Well, um, yeah, let's you, talk you about bigger than other people. You're going <laughs> to you're going to have to help them to understand your new idea. Totally. That's it. And that is really the skill that we're honing in on. When we come back, we'll be talking with Penn about one of the most successful things, or actually most important things that can help all of us, especially artists, succeed. But also, you know, let's talk about the optimistic future. You know, are we going to see more from the film industry uh, like Temple Grandin, or are we going to see more like Paranormal? Activity, or are we going to see both? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. The 19th Annual Women of Wisdom Conference is February 17th through the 21st. Our theme is Women Arise Unveil the Power of the Divine Feminine. Special guests are Susan Weed, Carolyn Sutherland, and many others sharing their gifts through experiential events all weekend long. Join our email list at womenofwisdom.org and watch for announcements about the conference. That's womenofwisdom.org. Do you dream of being on the amazing race? Well, here's your chance. Grab a friend and prepare for an exhilarating race around the city when City Solve Urban Race comes to your city. Teams of two will solve clues and face fun challenges while racing around the city. The winning team gets $300 and a chance to be in the Las Vegas Championship race to compete for a grand prize of $5,000. Not only will you have a ton of fun, you'll also be helping a good cause. A portion of the proceeds will benefit a local charity. To start racing, go to City Solve SolveUrbanRace.com. Are you tired of hanging on to things in your life that hold you back? Get ready to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. Annette has been a catalyst for helping people achieve maximum results. Known for her breakthrough approaches, she will assist you to unleash your true power. Her unique distance healing techniques 
have been empowering people globally. Get ready for a life-changing event to step into your fearless nature. For more information, visit AnnetteBingham.com or call 432-770-4062. Are you taking too many oral pain pills and concerned about side effects? Are you having trouble getting to sleep because of the pain? Well, I'm Lou Paradise. I had the same problems you have. Cured my pain, eliminated pain pills and their side effects by developing Topperson Pain Relief and Healing Cream. Topperson relieves pain without side effects. It doesn't burn, it doesn't smell, and it doesn't stain. But don't just take my word for it. Doctors, pharmacists, and pain specialists are using and recommending Topperson and ending the suffering for thousands of people just like you. We know you're hurt. We want to help. We're so sure Topperson will work for you, we offer a money-back guarantee. So if you want pain relief with no side effects, ask for Topperson or call 1-800-959-1007. That's 1-800-959-1007. Topperson, the last pain medicine you'll ever need, and you can sleep on that. Do you ever get so frazzled you find it difficult to function? Many people are experiencing more stress and fear than ever. When we react from this place of fear and stress, we end up damaging relationships and creating more grief in our lives. Lynette McKenzie has a solution for you. The Energy Emergency Toolkit. Ten easy tools to go from frazzled to fantastic in five minutes. Visit OpenLiveNow.com and download your free Energy Emergency Toolkit and go from frazzled to fantastic now. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. For those of you out there um, that um, would like to find out more about Penn, but also about the book, uh, because I want to, I want to tell you about the book. Um, writingthealligator.com is the website. So I would love for you guys to go uh, check it out. And also, there is information on how you can get a copy of the book. I was pleasantly surprised. And this is the book that I needed to get on my desk. It really was the book. It was the book that I needed to have on my desk for a lot of reasons. Um, because even though I'm not a screenplay writer or, you know, planning to have a career in that, although I'm thinking about it now, I'm just thinking, you know, what is my script? How can I maybe do something? I, I really did start to think about it. It is a book that I picked up that has strategies, not just for having a successful career in screenplay writing. It is a book that helped me remind, it actually reminded me of what the success markers are. And what it takes to get beyond the obstacles. And if you know anything about the film business and what we're talking about today, brutal, brutal. I mean, you, you know, it is highly competitive. It is the one of the greatest areas for rejection that you could probably put yourself in. And yet here comes this optimistic blueprint that Penn has written that applies to all, anyone out there that's either looking for a job, looking to create a life, looking to take their life to the next level. This has been extremely helpful for me to get my book back up on the screen and and remind myself of how passionate I am about what I do. And that's the thing that I want to leave everybody with about this book. You may go to the website and you may see it's about screenplay writing. And for those of you out there that are interested in that, this is the book you've got to have. For those of you out there that are interested in being reminded of how you as a personal 
amazing artists can succeed, this is what you want to be reminded with what he's put in the book. Penn, thank you for joining us here today. You know, it's a great way to kind of bring this back full circle because I've been sharing during the break some of the things that I've done since I've received a copy of the book. And I even said to you, when they approached us about the book, I said, oh, you know, screenplay writing, I don't know. I don't know how that, and, and then I saw a couple of the questions in the media material that we were sent and I thought, oh, I got it. We've got to interview him. And, you know, Linda just nailed it. The reason I, I love what you're doing is because this is for all of us to be reminded that we still can be passionate. We can be altruistic and we can be successful. And that's what I want to talk with you about it as we come full circle in the show today. You know, we can have a passion and still make really good money from it right yes uh, although if you if you look at if you're doing something that makes you happy money isn't necessarily the measure no it's not pop out to making money um because sometimes doing something you really care about blossoms into money because you found something that other people appreciate as well exactly exactly so let's talk about you know, where we are right now. And I want to talk about optimism in the film, film industry, but I want to talk about optimism in general, you know, and what you see for the future of film and how does it reflect society? I mean, come, let's t- back up for a minute, right? Golden Globe Award to what movie? The Social Network, right? And, and if you look at it, it's, a, it's, a, it's about a new technology and a young man who travels through a process and evolves hopefully into somebody with a more a bigger social conscience as a result of doing it, if you look at the altruistic story. Exactly. And I think that that's a, the, the, we're at a really fascinating time because technology is going to change the way that the film business works. We have both the large studios, which are, which are turning out gigantic films, great, enormous budgets and roller coaster ride experiences. But at the same time now, people are making films. Literally, there was a film called Colin, which was made for $75 in England, which got distribution it was a zombie movie where a guy put up on the Internet, come dressed as a zombie and I will film you in my movie. And it got distribution. Cool. Um, you know, so there, there, there's uh, my students are, you know, they're, they're, I say my students, but I say this, this, this age is able to make films now that are theatrical quality movies on a $2,000 Canon camera. Well, and, that's just it. It's, it's the, the doors are open now to imagination. I once saw Frank Capra, who's one of my heroes, speak. And he said, we're yet to see our Leonardo's and, and our Da Vinci's, I mean, and, and our Michelangelo's in this business. And I think we're at the change point where the fact that you can edit a feature film at home on your Mac and you can shoot it for nothing, there's no film stock involved anymore, means that the human imagination is going to go off into all kinds of directions. And the selling mechanisms, you can put a movie on YouTube right now, and if there's enough hits, it actually returns money to you. This is a gigantic revolution, and we're at the beginning of it. And none of us quite know where it's going. Mm-hmm. The studios don't quite know where it's going, but it's like the, the studios may become the classical music of film, and there may be rock and roll out there that's getting made at home or in small right. groups. And that's why people, the power of people's imagination, the stories they want to tell, are, are mean that there's op- openings and opportunities we don't have to go through the, the old roots and the old systems. Right. Uh, and, Ed Burns, for instance, has made a movie for $25,000, uh-huh. and it's distributed through video on demand and through uh, pay cable, and he's made his money back, and he made a movie for 
what would be the uh, the, the snack budget you know, <laughs> of a film. Well, the snack budget of either Twilight or Avatar, not even the snack budget. You know, I, I mean, but this is the kind of the extremes that we're having, right? And again, Social Network was not expected to be Gigundo hit. No. no, was no. not. But but it touched the zeitgeist, whatever that is. It's touching something that our, that our, our human nature wants to discover. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, the definition of, of finding something that other people didn't know they needed until it was discovered is the greatest secret. And you're not going to get there by following the old rules. No, I think that's um, really I, the lesson here in all of this, isn't it? It's and not. It's, and, uh, you know, my, 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 I, my daughter came out of, um, she just graduated this December from Sarah Lawrence, and they asked me to speak. I'm the 15, the guy that left school at 15, they asked me to speak on the Parents' Day weekend. I was incredibly proud to do it because I believe that that is one of the schools of the future that essentially, and I use the term, it creates uh, navigators of the future. Mm. People that are not rigid but are able to adapt and look at all this, all this new knowledge and then incorporate it through their own instincts and strengths and their own desire to, to achieve who they are, and that's what Sarah Lawrence and many of these um, new, new ecologies are looking at, that the change of technology is so fast. The only thing you can educate is the individual to have the strength of belief in mm. themselves to keep striving to find purpose. I love it. What a great way to end the show, Penn. It's such a wonderful, wonderful message. I, I, I want to thank you for doing all that you do, and I want to thank you so much for sharing all that you've shared in this book. Um, this has been just a wonderful conversation, and you and I haven't even gotten to some of the some of the real buttons of mine that got pushed by reading the book, but certainly inspirationally. So, thank you so much for joining us here today. What do you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I'm, I do think the one thing we didn't talk about is sharing your thoughts with other people that are kind and gentle. I, I get a lot of support mm. from others. The reason I'm successful is is that some people help me over my lungs. Me too. I try not to get involved with people who are difficult, mm. arrogant, depressive about, you know, you never succeed. <laughs> I try and I share my early ideas with people I call story midwives, people that are helping me push through the pain. And if you and I think that may be what you are. And I and I and I salute you for that. Oh, thank you. And I, I have the same, uh, I have the same thing that is a priority for me. I do and am surrounded by amazing people. And it really is the strength of those people, those shoulders that you and I get to stand upon, the people that really hold our ideas in their hands with a very loving heart. And that's why we're not so crazy and we keep going. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a few people that like first tell me that I'm a little bit crazy and that's well, why they love then you me. Have to build the bridge back to them and then that's uh, why they, they love get us. Board, right? Yeah, well, that's why they love us. I mean, yeah. they don't they say it in a very uh, what, what is it? Endearing way. So thank you. Your eccentricity because it's what that's the word. Do. That's it. Little eccentric. Thank you, Penn, for joining us. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat show.